Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Nearly 1 million Canadians applied for EI last week, numbers unprecedented in our lifetimes. With around a quarter of the world in lockdown, numerous countries have put fiscal stimulus packages in place to help those employees suddenly out of work and employers grappling to handle the new normals of uncertainty, remote working and downsizing. On March 18th, the Canadian federal government unveiled an 82 billion financial rescue package, including 27 billion in direct financial aid to households and businesses. Emergency measures approved so far include extending unemployment benefits to those who don't qualify for EI, expanding coverage to those who must self-isolate and aren't eligible for EI sickness benefits, and income support for parents who are unable to earn income while schools are closed as a result of childcare duties. In this HR chat interview, I'm going to speak with Jesse Ryan, founder of High Road Human Capital, a veteran-owned diversity supplier about COVID-19's unprecedented impact on global unemployment rates and what the latest employment figures in Canada actually mean, and how AI and automation may step in to fill some of those gaps. Jesse, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks for having me. Let, let's get into it, Jesse. Firstly, right on. What, 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 do, what, what do the Canadian unemployment rates really mean? Are these, are these numbers short-term? Or is this the start of a massive recession and a collapse long term in, in employment rates? Well, I think it means uh, I think it's a key indicator uh, and, and nothing we don't already know. But I think it's a key indicator on how reliant Canada is on small and medium business in this country, certainly in Ontario, uh, where I live. And uh, I think it also gives us a really clear view as to what is actually essential and what isn't. So when you see uh, the record numbers, you know, into the seven figures applying for unemployment, like you mentioned, uh, it's just that. It's the the bars, it's the restaurants, uh, it's the small providers uh, that um, are not aligned to an essential service that um, I think that's what we're really seeing out there at scale. What do you think the, the Canadian jobs market will look like later on this year in say three to six months? I think it's going to be significantly different than our last recession uh, in 2009 when the real estate bubble busted and, and you know, the, the global economy really, really felt that. Um, I think what happened then, if we want to compare uh, one situation to, to our current state, they, they had never seen that before. The, the global uh, economy had never seen that before. So in responding to that, even though there was a significant amount of stimulus, uh, it, there wasn't an overstimulation. In fact, they were erring on the side of caution. Hey, this probably won't last very long. Uh, therefore, let's not overstimulate the economy. And uh, there was a lot of mistakes made in that that required a longer than probably necessary recovery. Uh, what we're seeing now, particularly out of the US, which will obviously translate uh, into Canada fairly quickly is um, a gross and over stimulization um, to the economy to keep things on the rails as best as possible. So instead of seeing drastic um, unemployment for a long period of time and a really slow creep back to, let's call it full speed in 18 months, 24 months, 
I think we're going to see uh, a recovery in the job market fairly quickly, and it's going to go in, in tiers or, or in tranches. Uh, hopefully, something as aggressive as once we get the okay to leave our houses, uh, I hope to see things rebounding, let's, let's say aggressively in thirds. So in three chunks as opposed to this slow trickle over 18 months, I think uh, you know, if my glass is half full, um, once we get the, the, the clear to, to uh, normalize, hopefully we'll be back to full strength in the job market in as early as six months. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so obviously right now everybody's losing, okay, on, on a personal yes. level. Um, Absolutely. But, um, if, if, we, if we try and put that to, to one side for a minute, I'd, 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 I'd be interested to hear your take on uh, financially speaking, who, who are the winners right now? Um, what are those? What are those companies that are actually doing really well right now? Perhaps those that don't rely on brick and mortar locations, for example. Um, and, and what are some of those job titles and those job types which right now are perhaps in more demand than than ever? Sure. So um, I, I think when you said brick and mortar, that translates into overhead in my mind. So organizations that are virtual, um, that are, are online, I think they're going to be the real winners. So overhead can be uh, significant for most organizations, particularly when you get into the mid, upper mid, and, and enterprise uh, organizations. However, on, on the flip side of that, the bigger the organization, the more likely you're going to be able to take advantage of, of, uh, of government stimulus. So I think the bigger shops uh, are going to weather the storm. Um, so they're going to be the winners. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of small and, and micro winners. We're in, a, we're in a new world where there are, you know, Amazon millionaires. Uh, there are Shopify, Shopify millionaires. And then there's a um, hundred times more that are not millionaires, but are making a good income. And so there's just there's so many ways in this day and age to generate profit and revenue uh, without leaving your home. And I think the folks that are have already um, perfected or are mature on that side of the equation are going to be the real winners. They're the ones that are going to be able to uh, weather the storm from an overhead and liquidity perspective and come out on the other side. So while uh, I don't think anybody is really going to um, do um, let's call it um, great business or profit or revenue in the next six months it'll be more about who survives so who does have revenue at all who does have a little bit of profit to keep them going and then come out on the other side um, and really really um, um, uh, grow at scale focusing purely on, on the financials and the opportunities around that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing for for uh, recruiters for those in, in talent acquisition Obviously, right now is is flatline. It's terrible, but there's going to be a huge opportunity for them in maybe a month or, or two months' time, right? You know, when it comes to talent acquisition, I can already tell you what I'm seeing and feeling uh, within my own network. When you see a, a real bull market, a really really strong economy, it appears to, uh, to the outside world that recruitment is a really great business and it's really easy to make a lot of money. And in good times, it is, and that's why you'll see a lot of, you know, strong corporate recruitment performers or even strong agency performers decide to go out on their own. 
and um, take all the money as opposed to giving their home agency a cut or somebody that's in recruitment, uh, corporate recruitment on a salary decides to go out and take advantage of, of a, a bull market and, and collect all those big fees. However, what we've seen time after time after time in the history of talent acquisition is even when there's a, a mild ripple in the, con in the economy, I'd say upwards of 75% of staffing agencies go under or go dormant uh, because typically the smaller ones have one, two really strong clients. And when that grinds to a halt, they grind to a halt. So I, I think it's going to be, um, I think you're going to see a lot of organizations go under and when the, the smoke clears, we'll go back to corporate or we'll find an agency that they can go and work with. So let's call it a lot of the independents or the small agencies. And I think the biggest, strongest, most cash inflated um, staffing organizations in the, uh, in the market are the ones that are going to come out on the other side and survive this. And when they do, they will have a massive, massive opportunity. Uh, but it'll also clean out a lot of the smaller guys in, in the process. That was uh, on the recruitment side. Let's now talk a little bit about the HR side of things. What, what, what are the challenges for HR departments right now? You know, remote working, layoffs, contract disputes, general uncertainty. Um, and and what, are, what are some of the challenges for HR in, say, three to six months? Let's talk about the challenges they're facing now. I think corporate human resources is probably the most overworked um, highly stressed, um, hopefully not unappreciated job family um, in the market right now. So clearly uh, the vast majority, almost 100% of my clients, my main contact is an HR uh, professional, if not an HR executive. And I've never um, heard their voices so stressed. I've never heard them so fatigued. Um, and also at the same time without answers because we're in really uncharted territory. So, you know, HR people trying to throw a, um, a disaster plan together, a remote working plan together, um, even though you might have had a policy on this previously, a policy and putting it into action are two very different things, particularly if it's an organization with any level of scale. So they have my full empathy there because they're, they're really um, being relied upon um, in in the middle of this crisis, what it's going to look like on the on the um, on the backside of this? Um, let's just say HR is going to be full throttle um, for for the immediate and probably into the distant future. Um, as we move through this crisis, I think the responsibilities, the tasks, um, uh, are, are just going to uh, augment and start to change. So right now it's working from home, which will move to are you essential, which will move to a layoff, uh, which will move to, okay, the dust is settling. And now who do we bring back that is essential and then semi-essential uh, and then not essential, but nice to have. Uh, and then who do we bring back that um, now will help us uh, start to scale the business again on the sales and or marketing side. So it's really uncertain. All I know is that they're working harder than anybody out there. Um, so if you're calling into your HR representatives within clients, um, have a little bit of empathy, have a lot of patience, and, uh, and show some respect because they're the heroes right now. We'll be right back after this message from Espressa. 
The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espresso built the first culture benefits platform designed to make heroes out of HR teams while connecting people and community. Espresso.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espresso.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com. You mentioned augmentation a second ago. Uh, I'd, I'd like to, before we wrap up the interview today, a couple more questions for you. I'd, I'd like to now talk a little bit about what the new world of work will look like. And, and maybe coronavirus has created a situation where a lot of roles will be augmented by AI and by automation. On, on the go forward. I mean, given the huge amounts of layoffs as a result of COVID-19, will we see many companies accelerating their efforts to adopt new automated alternatives to, to duties performed by humans as, as they look to future-proof their businesses? So that, there's there's a potential second wave of COVID-19 coming later in 2020, right? So like they, they, they'll be thinking about ways that they can try and offset that. Will, will big numbers of workers not have jobs to go back to will, will those with more technical skills perhaps be better placed to quickly re-enter the workplace I'll, I'll answer that kind of uh, back to front so i think there are uh, job families particularly on the technology and development side um, that haven't stopped because development um, technology development um, coding what have you is something that can be done anywhere from any place so that's that's a great remote working uh, job family. And from some of my clients where they do have big dev shops internally, um, those don't stand down. And if anything, we're being told from our existing clients that um, there still be there still may be some net new um, uh, hires with, within those families. So I don't think they're they're going to be affected. To answer your your first couple of questions, um, and you mentioned. You know, we, we might be uh, looking at a second round of COVID-19 um, after this first round. So I don't, I don't, in terms of people coming back, uh, losing their jobs due to automation coming back on the first round, I think that's not, I don't think that's going to happen because um, automation uh, takes a lot of working capital, takes a lot of development, and development is usually done um, for new technologies in the best of times. So really what a lot of organizations are doing right now is just trying to maintain, trying to keep their heads above water. So if we come out of this first round, and, and let's hopefully it's the first and last round, but if we come out of this first round, regardless of there being a second round, when things start to recover, then I think you're going to see a lot of organizations say, hey, um, we could have really cashed in on that last round and let's not get stuck again. So while the getting is good, Let's develop for the next um, horrific thing that happens to our world so that they're ready the next time around. Uh, so I think anybody returning from a second round, if there is a second round, you're going to see them affected. I don't see any any uh, substantial change uh, after this first round and hopefully only round clears. Just before we finish off for today, Jesse, how, how can our listeners uh, connect with you and how can they learn more about High Road Human Capital? Well, I'm not hard to find. 
So I'm, I'm reasonably prominent, I would suggest, on LinkedIn. So Jesse Ryan, J-E-S-S-E-R-Y-A-N. So you can find me directly on LinkedIn. If you're looking for uh, our company page, it's High Road, two words, High Road Human Capital. Uh, we also do a lot on other formats. So if you want to find us on Facebook or on Instagram, uh, we call ourselves something a little different. You can find us uh, under The Accidental occupation. So at the accidental occupation, there's lots of fun stuff on there. Brilliant. And uh, listeners, this is, I think, the third time that Jesse and I have jumped on and done an HR chat podcast. So if you go through the feed, you can uh, you, you can find those other interviews that he and I did together uh, with lots more, lots more awesome insights. But um, for today, that just leaves me to say, Jesse, thank you so much for, for joining me again on the HR chat show. My pleasure, Bill. Talk to you soon. And listeners, until next time, stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.